I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Thursday episode of Flippin' Bats. Justin makes his Mets debut Today, we'll talk all about that. Bryce Harper as well made his return this week to the Phillies. We'll talk about that. I'm also ready to say that a new young player in the game of baseball has already taken over the top spot at his position. We'll talk about that. We got BVPs, fan questions. This one's going to be a blast. Let's get to it. It's a blowout. It's an intense three. Bases are loaded for Verlander. He swings and it's a high fly ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What a great day we got today. Justin is back on the mound. I've been waiting for this for a while. The day has finally arrived. I'm rocking his shirt. I got I got this shirt sent. It's like Justin in a Mets uniform. It's great. I'm pumped up. This is going to be a blast. We're going to talk all about that. Um, and then in tomorrow's episode, I'll let you know how I did watching it because it never goes really well. I'm an absolute wreck when I watch Justin pitch. But uh, Alex, today is the day Justin returns. And a lot of good things happen in baseball. We got a lot to talk about today. By the way, who would have saw this World Series preview happening right now? Pirates Rays? Yeah. Who saw that happening? I don't think anyone did. But also, like, I don't know if anybody saw Justin making his debut with the Mets so in cool. Detroit, where it all began for him, which is very poetic yeah. if you think about it. And now I'm curious, do you think this makes it more comfortable for him? Or is it a little more nerves? Because, like, these are the fans that you fell in love with, that fell in love with you at the start of your career. I, I would imagine in a perfect world, the first start for the Mets would not come in Detroit. It's always yeah. a thing when he goes there. But um, it's always a special, a special occasion when he goes there. So it is kind of like a full circle thing that we're getting here today with Justin back on the mound. This is his first start. His first start since Game 5 of the World Series, in which he got his first World Series win. Obviously a huge moment for him, a huge moment for the Astros, a big moment for my family, for myself, getting to be the first one on the field to talk to him after the game and to share that hug that we shared with all the emotions. So this will be his first start since then. And, you know, what transpired between then and now is really just a crazy off season, you know, like everything in free agency, not knowing where he was going to end up signing with the Mets, going up to New York, our entire family for the MLB awards banquet and accepting his third Cy Young award up there. And 
you know, he's now coming off of back-to-back seasons in which he's pitched that he's won the Cy Young Award. I mean, 2019, 2022, how cool is that? Um, and, and now he gets to do it all for the Mets. And, it, you know, it's, he spent this offseason that was crazy preparing, and he said it. You, you could tell how frustrating it was for him to not be able to start the year with his new team. Obviously, that sucks, and it was something that um, he was vocal about. Look, this is the beginning of the year, and I want to make sure I get this right. You know, like, my goal is to win in the playoffs. It's not to win my first start of the year in, in April, right? There's a big difference there. And so, unfortunately, the timing kept him out for about a month, but ultimately he comes back and makes his return in Detroit, you know, which is – it is. It, it is really special. And the majority of his career took place there. In 2011, his first Cy Young, his MVP, historic seasons. And for that to all lead up to his first start being there is really cool. And the team, uh, the team is already in Detroit, obviously. They played a couple of games there. And Justin was asked a few questions before his first game. One being like, how's it, how's it feel being back here? And his answer was basically... You know, this team was a juggernaut for so long. And Mr. I, who's Mr. Illich, who passed away, who's the owner of the team, was just dedicated to putting a winning product out on the field. And he was, he said to Detroit fans, he's like, it was, it was a great, it was great as a player and as a fan. I'm sure it was awesome to see as well. So a lot of questions there. And one, one question that was asked Uh to him was (laughs) great. They, they said, put him right on the spot in the clubhouse in Detroit. Hey, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Who are you going in as? And his answer, I think we have it. Let's play it now. It's a totally unfair question, but you're going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, obviously. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Would you? Do you think you're a Tiger when all that? <laughs> Boy, is that unfair. Totally unfair. <laughs> Next question, please. Is right on the spot. I love, how, I love his reaction because at that point, it's like, again, Fair question for a Detroit reporter there. You're, yeah. You got to go in with the spice and the fire, and that's a viral answer right there and question. But that's tough. <laughs> Obviously with the new team, but he also won both of the World Series with the Astros, but started his career with the Tigers. He's going to have some options. He's going to have some options. Yeah, yeah. And that's why he's, you know, I, I for until, honestly, like, the, until the twenty, the last Cy Young, not yeah. the one he just won, I was, I was saying, who knows if he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Like I yeah. don't like counting my eggs before they hatch. Is that the saying? Count I don't your know. put all your eggs in one basket. I don't know. Count the chicken. No, <laughs> I'm not chicken. good at sayings. I'm not good. Either at way, so I make. I'm up. not one to to assume, especially okay. when it comes to family. I'm very superstitious. Yeah. So although he had put together a Hall of Fame career, I wouldn't say it. But now I I, I understand that that's going to happen. Yeah. And I get the question a lot. Justin gets the question a lot. Yeah. I certainly can't answer it for him. He doesn't want to answer it. But the fact, like, as you said, he does have many options is the reason he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, right? yeah. He had a Hall of Fame career in Detroit and then went to Houston and had a Hall of Fame, you know, a Hall of Fame tenure there. Yeah. So it really is. And then uh, hopefully continues that and hopefully Hall of Fame continues. style and career it starts with Mets. Today you! in just a couple of hours, and I am going to be how are you? a mess. Yeah, how are we feeling right now? Uh can we get live footage? Can you like set up a camera? Can we watch you have a full mental B as you're watching that your brother? Awful. 
Well, how, for you, it's going to be epic for us. How about I'll just share everything in tomorrow's episode of how I did, what I did, where I was sitting. I'm a mess. Set up, I, Just set up a, a camera, please, for all of us. Today. The day happens. Justin's <laughs> on the mound. And tomorrow's episode, we will talk all about it. But I am very excited uh, for today and the return of Justin. Yeah. Best of luck to Justin. Yes. You're going to do great. But we also saw another debut yep. this week. Bryce Harper making his return to the lineup for the Phillies against the Dodgers. I don't want to say like people were disappointed because you can't have that high of expectations for someone oh, yeah. who is like basically starting their spring training in the big leagues a month into the season. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, to be honest with you. Yeah. First off, Bryce Harper's return. It's very impressive. No matter how you chalk it up. I know he's not a pitcher. I know he's just DHing. Um, I tweeted that it's truly remarkable. Bryce Harper played in the world series last season. Afterwards, he underwent Tommy John surgery and today, when I tweeted this, May 2nd, he is back. Missed just over one month of a season. And, you know, I think pretty much everyone understands that that's impressive. But a lot of the responses are just like, well, he's just DHing. Like, it's not that. This is. You still use your elbows to swing a baseball bat. The fastest return from Tommy John surgery in the history of Major League Baseball. Not surprised. 160 days. The previous record was Tony Walmack, who was right around 180-ish days. So I don't care that he's just DHing. Are you kidding me? It's a very violent motion with a sling. It's still very impressive, and it speaks to the work ethic and the freak talent that Bryce Harper is. And, you know, you mentioned the return. Ultimately, he had three punch outs and a ground out. Got news for you. The Phillies still would have gotten blown out if he hit four homers. <laughs> Dodgers are rolling right now, yeah. and they rolled right on through the Phillies. So Bryce Harper could have hit, you know, two grand slams and another solo homer, and they're still losing the game. Like, for the Phillies team that has been playing good baseball, it's about having this guy back. It's about yeah. having your guy back in the clubhouse, in the lineup, and it might take a couple of weeks. It might take a month for mm -hmm. Bryce Harper to get back. Mind you, he didn't do any rehab games. He didn't go down to the minor leagues to play. He said, I, I'm ready. Put me in the lineup. And I think there's something something about that that's really cool and will be a boost for this team, whether or not it has been in the first game in which he returned or not. You also have to remember there was a, a thought at one point, he might not be back till the All-Star break. Like that was yeah. kind of the window, which is another couple months away. Like th th this is a huge feat just to have him back in the lineup, as you mentioned, with the team to have that leadership energy because he's the kind of leader that leads by example. Now he can be there. Now he's he's a part of the the daily meetings and yeah. conversations and everything yeah. and on the road with the team. So this is this is going to be big in the long run, obviously, for the season for the Phillies. Uh, do you want a fun fact? I want a fun fact. Oh, this is the A's fun fact? Yeah. Yes. Bryce, <laughs> I love this fun fact. Bryce Harper got Tommy John surgery and recovered from Tommy John surgery and returned to the major leagues before an Oakland A's starting pitcher won a game. I like <laughs> screamed when I saw that yesterday. Like it's heartbreaking for A's fans, but also just it puts it into perspective how incredible his recovery yeah. time was to get back. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, it is impressive. I think it yeah. speaks more to 
heartbreaking. How bad yeah. the Rays have been. Uh, Brutal. Remarkable. Yeah. But, but don't worry, they're it, getting uh, millions or billions of dollars for a stadium in, in Vegas. Yeah, don't so worry. You're they're getting it, they're yeah. getting rewarded. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, getting rewarded great. somehow for that. Um. All right, Alex. Yeah? One up, one down time. We will each give one up, a player or a team, and one down. Somebody on the up, somebody mm-hmm. on the down. I would like you to start. So who's your one up, Alex? Well, we, we may have just mentioned them in this last segment. My one up this week are the L.A. Dodgers. They are back in the first place spot in the NL West, where they belong. They swept the Cardinals over the weekend. They had monster back-to-back wins against the Phillies, 13-run wins. They also, Tuesday night, 17 hits a season high. But their guys are just rolling right now. Mookie Betts has been on fire this week, batting 321, two home runs, seven RBI. Three of those RBI came from Tuesday. Clayton Kershaw, we talked about earlier this week, he is back in Cy Young form. He is 5-1 and one with a 1.89 ERA. Julio Urias had a great bounce-back game on Tuesday against the Phillies, which he really needed. Yeah. And when you have your 1-2 guys, it's almost like having two aces on the staff. They are just absolutely rolling. And it is just in time. For the division rivalry this weekend against the Padres, who are also red hot right now. So this is going to be an epic series, which we'll break down, I think, in tomorrow's show a little deeper. But the Dodgers are just rolling. They are red hot, and they are my up this week. All right. I like it. They are. They're playing good baseball. Who's your one up, Ben? (sighs) Alex, it's time we talk about Adley Rutschman. Like, Really talk about how Adley Rutschman has become the best catcher in the game of baseball at 25 years old. Let's look back to last year. When Adley Rutschman came up, you can point to that day as the day that the Baltimore Orioles organization turned around. Hardly ever can you point to an exact point when an organization turned around. But with Adley, the prize prospect that had all of the talent and all of the hype in the world, you can point to the day he came up that it all turned around. Last year, the O's were 16 and 24 when he got called up and in dead last place. They would go on to go 67 and 55, which is an 89 win pace for the rest of the year and be in the playoff hunt until the last weekend of the season. This season, the O's entering Wednesday were 20 and 9. So that's a total of 87 and 64 with Adley coming up to the big leagues. Again, you can point to the day the guy came up and say the Orioles organization turned around. Part one of why this guy is the best catcher in the game of baseball. For me, it's because this is five and a half years of the Orioles being a bad baseball team, right? This isn't a team that was good that, They had a rough start to the season and turned it around when Adley comes up. No, this was five and a half years of being bad. They hadn't seen a winning baseball team since 2016. And then the day he comes up, it all turns around? Come on. It reminds me of Pudge Rodriguez with the Tigers, right? In 03, Pudge wins the World Series with the Florida Marlins, then signs that free agent deal with the Detroit Tigers and leaves people scratching their head. Like, why would you sign with a team that just lost 119 games and was one of the worst teams in baseball history? Pudge signs there, 
two years in a row they lose about 90 games and then in 06 they're american league champions and in the world series but even that doesn't compare right that was a quick turnaround but it took a couple of years from going from really bad to good adley you can point to the exact day best catcher in baseball let's talk about on the field offensively batting over 300 this year a five for five start to the season on opening day in Fenway Park. Youngest Orioles player to hit a home run on opening day since Cal Ripken Jr. You might have heard of him. Offensively, last year, remarkable. A top 20 hitter in the game of baseball from June 11th on. So if you take out the first rough couple of weeks of his career, right? He comes up, there's a lot of hype. It took him a couple of weeks to get in his groove, I'd say, but it from June 11th on, Adley was second in all of baseball in war behind only Aaron Judge, who we all know what he was doing last year. Second in baseball behind him. Offensively, like I said, a top 20 hitter. He's also a switch hitter, which I think adds to all of this. He's a catcher, the hardest position in the game of baseball, and a switch hitter, meaning double the work just offensively he's basically got four jobs all in one which is a baseball player but catching running a pitching staff switch hitting which is always something very interesting to me because it was hard enough to lock in one swing for me and he has two completely different swings to figure out and i had adley on the show this week and was able to ask him about being a switch hitter they're two different swings and i i try to treat them as two different swings um so i you gotta try and like I guess balance out your workload because you want to manage your swings and uh, some days right-handed needs a little more love and other days left-handed needs a little more love and um, you try and just kind of figure out what works for you on a daily basis to get your like head and swing in the right spot uh, to go out and compete. I I saw well so far this year turnaround best catcher in baseball but catching admittedly is about a lot more than just team results or offensive results it's about leading a pitching staff it's about calling a good game it's about framing pitches getting your pitchers strikes making your pitchers better preventing runs from coming in let's talk about that framing adley was a massive improvement from what the orioles have had over the last few years last year according to Statcast, plus four in the framing category now what does that mean well, to contrast, his teammate last year, Robinson Trinos, was negative 14 the season prior. The Orioles' two catchers combined, Severino and Austin Wins, combined to be the worst in baseball at negative 17. Adley is plus four, meaning he's helping his pitchers be better, get more calls behind the plate, which is all you want as a pitcher. That's huge for you and leading a staff. He is one of the best in baseball at that. Again, framing, best catcher in baseball. Now let's talk blocking. Blocks above average, the newest stat cast metric. The best in baseball is Adley Rutschman. Let's talk about last year. The platinum glove winner in the American League, Jose Trevino, catcher, fantastic defensive catcher. Last year had 15 blocks above average. Adley Rutschman with less time in the big leagues, had 18 blocks above average. JT Real Muto, who many considered to be the best catcher in baseball at the time, 14 blocks above average. Now, this metric, 
might sound confusing, but let me explain because it really is important and it really is cool to understand. Based on the opportunities that Adley was prevented, presented, an average catcher would have been expected to allow 43 pass balls or wild pitches, the third most of any catcher, which the pitching staff has a big part to do with that. Yet, Adley allowed a mere 25 of those to actually be pass balls or wild pitches, not 43. That difference is how you get the plus 18 that I spoke about at the top of the leaderboard. Compare that to Colorado's Elias Diaz, who also saw pitches that would have been estimated to become 43 pass balls or wild pitches. He allowed 42 plus one in that category. So as you can see, it's a big gap, and he's the best in baseball at blocking pitches. Again, this guy at 25 years old has become the best catcher in the game of baseball. The Baltimore Orioles in 2020 were dead last in that category of blocking balls. The 2021 Orioles, second to last. The 2022 Orioles, when Adley made his debut, they became the second best in all of baseball behind only the Toronto Blue Jays. This guy's the best catcher in baseball, and I am officially ready to say it. So he plays in every game as a catcher, which is mind-blowing. Yes, he's DHing on occasion, but the fact that he is a catcher and playing in every single game is remarkable. So to Cal Ripken, the Iron Man, in that same organization, watch out. You got Adley coming. He's only got... A little over 2,000, a little over 2,500 games to catch you, but he's well on his way and he's probably going to rack up quite a few accolades along the way. So Adley Rutschman, best catcher in baseball. Whew. Alex? That like, I loved his interview yesterday too, because even just hearing him talk about these experiences, he is so aware of what's happening. Yeah. And he said he's really taking in each moment when he made his major league debut, when he made his opening day debut, which was a yeah. legendary opening day. So the fact that he's aware of what he's doing just adds to all the greatness he's already shown the baseball yeah. world in the little amount of time he's been in the big leagues. Him talking about in, in our conversation, that moment that went viral of him yeah. taking the field and just soaking it all in. I asked about that and asked if it was like planned he was going to do yeah. that or if it just kind of happened. And his answer was great. And the emotion that he said was there. Um, it was it was a really cool conversation. So if you haven't yet, go check out that conversation with Adley Rutschman, best catcher in baseball, <laughs> Wednesday from, from this week. So check it out. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Alex, you're one down. Who you got? Well, we're going to stick in the AL East, okay? And my one down is the New York Yankees. Ooh. They are currently in last place in the AL East. They have not been playing well. They've lost a couple of really big series to the Blue Jays, the Twins, the Rangers. They did snap their four-game losing streak on Tuesday, so I don't know, maybe that's a, a slight positive for them. And again, 
I don't want to make excuses for the Yankees, but they have a lot of important guys on the IL right now. They have 13 players on the IL, including their captain, Aaron Judge, who has that small strain near the top of his right hip. He got injured sliding headfirst in the third base last Wednesday. You have Giancarlo Stanton, who's out with hamstring injury. Josh Donaldson, Luis Severino. Uh, We're still waiting for Carlos Rodon to play, who just has not been able to get over that injury hump. And again... You never like injuries happen throughout a season. You don't want to make that an excuse, but these are like core guys that they don't have with their team. And they're in a really tough division with Tampa Bay, the Orioles, the Blue Jays. They need to turn this around soon before that gap gets so big between those top three teams. They got to figure something out. I think I think that's why this is a problem because of the division they're in. You know, like record wise, you don't look at it and say, Oh my god, they're in trouble. No. But you look at you know, it is early in the year, but you look at them being in dead last in the division and all the teams they have to climb over and they're all good baseball teams. Can they do it? Sure. Can they do it with all of these guys that you mentioned on the IL? I don't think so. Like you need guys you you can't do it without Aaron Judge. Uh, the Carlos Rodon situation really worries me because he was on the year with inflammation in his arm to start the year. And from everything I've heard, that inflammation and in his arm is good and fine. He's got some issue with his back now yeah. that nobody knows what's going on. Lingering discomfort is what they yeah. said. And he can't get over the hump to then, you know, do the tour to make those pitches. Do you want that- to stand up and do a, a, a motion for us to really explain? Yeah, that's movement? okay. Did you see? I was oh, okay. like kind of yeah, doing it in I my chair. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they need those guys back, and um, they're in trouble without yeah. them, certainly. So uh, your one down is the Yankees. Ben, who is your one down? Mine is the Cardinals. Oof. They are so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I picked the Cardinals to win the NL Central, and to start the year heading into Wednesday, they were 10-20. and 20. A nice even 30 games into the year. They're 10 and 20. One of the worst starts in franchise history for the Cardinals. This is the first time that the St. Louis Cardinals have been 10 games under 500 since 2007. We're a month into the year. And it's you forget that like stretches like that this early will come back to haunt you if you end up coming back. Absolutely. The Cardinals are now 0-10 in series openers. Not good. Cardinals have lost 12 consecutive night games. This is a tweet from Cardinals fans who are displeased, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so. This team who I picked to win the NL Central because of their offense and how good it is and how good it's supposed to be has been 20th in baseball in runs scored. Not good. Smack dab of the middle of the entire league in OPS not good so offensively was supposed to carry this team pitching wise was supposed to be not great but adequate enough to hope and for me this is why i picked them to win the division not great pitching but adequate enough with the offense that they would have well with a very bad and mediocre offense to start the year pitching has been right there with them 18th in team era it just ain't gonna cut it this team has been abysmal to watch and a team with you know, Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt and so many young, exciting guys around the team. The way they handled Jordan Walker, Weird. what are you doing? Why are you going to allow this guy to break camp with you, which I believe was the right decision, have a historic start to his career, 
still be playing pretty good baseball and then send him down like talk about crushing a guy's confidence what are you doing in that situation this team has just been an absolute mess so far to start the year and 10 and 20 is one of the worst starts in the history of the Cardinals organization and them being 10 games under 500 hasn't happened since 2007 and the fact that it happened a month into the year speaks even more to how bad it's been going there in St. Louis so for me my one down is the St. Louis Cardinals yeah it's valid bad both of our downs yeah they're both yeah. frustrating to watch because both of these I almost went with the um the White Sox who if you've been listening to the we've show, been beating them you, into the ground you know how <laughs> for the last couple I of weeks about the White Sox but hey won a couple of games in a row this week and then the Cardinals kept losing so I ended up going with the Cardinals all right well let's get back to some up positive talk mm -hmm. and move on to your BVPs Ben's most valuable players because we got three different guys in from last week in the top five with two holding strong so let's get started with your number five do you want to explain anything further before we get into it um no I would just say that you're right two of them that are on here have been on all year which yeah. I think will be a consistent and there is a third on here that I do think is here to stay but Ooh. we'll talk we'll get all to that let's start with number five Adley Rutschman just talked all about him again having a monster year so far 315 average four home runs 18 rbis that is just offensively for a catcher to be in this conversation of a top five player in the game of baseball this year and in the bvp conversation he's playing every single day as a catcher and he is the reason that the orioles have turned around their franchise so offensively great catching wise great all of it Adley is the epitome of a most valuable player mm -hmm. so can I point to his offensive numbers and say that they are on par or better than the other people on this list I don't think that's fair to say but the fact that he's in the conversation offensively and on the top offensive leaderboards to start the year while doing what he's doing behind the plate is a reason that I absolutely feel great about having Adley on my list of BVP this week. Is that who you think is going to stay for a little bit? Oh, no. okay. No. Oh, ooh. Shocking. Okay, number four, Luisa Rise. I don't think that Luisa Rise gets enough credit. All right. This guy's hitting 435. An OPS north of 1,000. He has 40 hits already on the year. He won the batting title last year. I really think I would like to start the conversation that Luis Arise might be the first player since Ted Williams to hit 400 in a season. Every time I watch a game, this guy's getting two hits. So his average going up or down specifically depends on if he's getting four or five at-bats. If he goes two for five, his batting average is going down. If he goes two for four, it will go up slightly. That's the territory this guy is in already. He's playing every day, so he has tons of at-bats. He's hitting 435. I really do believe that this guy has a chance to bat 400 this year. If anybody in baseball has a chance to do it, it's Luis Arise. He's not going to hit for power. He's got a home run on the year, one. He's not going to hit for a ton of power. He's not going to drive balls deep into the gaps and off the wall. He's going to get singles. He's going to get on base. And he's doing that at a clip over 500 this year. 435 batting average. 
I think it's time to have a legitimate conversation that Luis Arise should be in this conversation, though not hitting for all of the power. But if you're going to hit well over 400, come on. You deserve to be in this conversation, and this guy absolutely is. He's number four on my list this week. Number three, Ronald Acuna Jr. This ah. is the name that I believe okay. is here to stay all year long. 362 on the year. The power is back. Five home runs, 16 RBIs, 14 stolen bases. Ronald Acuna hit a home run the other day. I was watching the game at City Field that went into the third yeah. deck. Monster. An Monster. absolute bomb. The announcers said they haven't seen a home run hit up there other than maybe Giancarlo Stanton hit a ball up there, who, when he gets into balls, nobody hits him further than him. Ronald Acuna, I have always been a huge fan of this guy since, you know, I was asked the other day, who are players that you played against in the minors that you knew were something special? And Ronald Acuna Jr. was one of those players that jumped out to me. And it's not just because my one of my two pitching outings, I faced Ronald Acuna and I threw the nastiest curveball of my life and he hit it for a rocket double off the wall in right center field. I knew it outside of that. This guy had all the talent in the world and now we're seeing it in the big leagues. And he had the injury a couple of years ago. He had the comeback last year freakishly fast from his ACL injury where he was not himself. And now we're seeing Ronald being back to Ronald. I think this guy has 40-40 in his future, 40 homers. 40 stolen bases. Will he get to 40 homers this year? I don't know. He has the power to do it. I love Ronald Acuna, and this year he is well on his way to perhaps winning a National League MVP award. He's number three on my list. Hot take. Yeah. And we're moving to the top two who have been solid on this list for majority of the year. Matt Chapman at number two. Matt Chapman's been on this list all year long, and him and, well, no spoilers. He's number two on my list, and – what a start to the year he's having, right? 374 average with five homers, 21 RBI. And to me, the impressive stat, yeah, we can point to OPS north of 1,100, the home runs, but nobody in baseball history has had more doubles through the month of April than Matt Chapman. Pretty impressive stat. While also playing an elite gold glove defense over at third base. I just... Matt Chapman this year has been remarkable, and the start to his year is certainly MVP worthy, and he's here again at number two on my list. And number one, once again, yep. the unicorn, Shohei Otani. Yeah, running it back, still at number one on my list, Shohei. Every, you know what he's doing, and he did not have a week that is possible to kick him out of the top spot. He now has seven homers on the week. He hit two since the last time I put this list together. Almost hit for the cycle. Uh, he's pitching fantastic, 4-0 with a 1.85 ERA. Uh, I could go on and on, but again, at the top of my list is Shohei Otani for what he is meaning to that Angels team and the player that he is. There is no more valuable player right now than Shohei, and it's going to take somebody like a Matt Chapman hitting over 400 with a bunch of power to even remarkably come close to topping Shohei in this spot. So Adley Rutschman, Luis Arise, Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Chapman, and Shohei Otani round out my list of this week's BVPs, which is most valuable players all combined into one from both leagues in one, one place so we can all know who are the top five players right now in the game of baseball, and these are them. I love it. Now it's time for some fan questions. Woo. All right. 
We put out uh we put out the question to you guys. You sent in anything, whatever you want to know. Like we said last week. Anything. Be personal, it can be baseball related, life related. What do you need? We're here to help you. You need dating advice. <laughs> I'm basically hitch, you know? Like <laughs> Dating advice, but all we keep getting is baseball questions. It's okay. Maybe one, maybe one of these times we'll, we'll get something else. Let's start with our first <laughs> one from Ian. Are the twins for real? Can you keep up the winning ways in a dreadful American League Central? Can they make the playoffs and, dare I say, win a playoff game? Yes. The twins are very much so for real. And I, I don't think this has anything at all to do with a dreadful AL Central, as you mentioned. I think the Twins are just a very good baseball team. Starting pitching has been really good. The addition of Pablo Lopez has been monumental for that team. There is such a thing as a win-win trade for both teams. And this was it. The Marlins getting Luis Arise. He's been really good for them. The Twins needing pitching got Pablo Lopez. Joe Ryan in the rotation is a bona fide ace. Bullpen really good. Yuan Duran has been fantastic back into that bullpen. Jorge Lopez, starting pitching, bullpen. And that's not even talking about the offense and how good they've been. Byron Buxton, Joey Gallo having a resurgence. Who saw that coming? Carlos Correa, not even really clicking on all cylinders yet, but you know he will. He always hits a point in the year where he just goes off. And aside from that, Carlos is an assassin in the playoffs. You get there, this guy is the leader that you want in your lineup for your playoff team. I'm very high on this Twins team. They're very good. They're playing good baseball. And I do believe they can win the AL Central and can win, as you mentioned, the first playoff game in a long time. It's exciting. But that was a good question. Yeah, no, it's exciting. All right, let's move on to our next fan question. Lots of prospects getting early action this year. Not just the household names like Carol. Which underrated rookie is going to have the biggest impact this season? Oh, yeah. So we all know I'm high on the Corbin Carroll bandwagon, yeah. and he's been playing great. Um, a name that needs to be mentioned. I don't know if you'd consider it underrated or not, but James Altman for the Dodgers has been fantastic this year as well. Um, but you mentioned in that question I saw Brett Beatty was in there and I I think he's a good answer for this now the only reason I would say he's been I don't know if underrated is the word because I do believe he should have broken he broken broke should have broke camp with the Mets but he didn't and he went down to the minor leagues and I think a lot of people he was off off their radar if you're not a diehard Mets fan or diehard baseball fan you don't really know the name Brett Beatty and then he gets called up and has been fantastic and a much-needed piece for that Mets lineup. He had so much depth, right? Steve Cohen said it himself when it appeared the Mets signed Carlos Correa. We needed one more bat. Well, it didn't end up being Carlos Correa, and I think it's Brett Beatty. Is Brett Beatty as good of a bat right now as Carlos Correa? No, I don't think that's fair to say. But he's hitting over 300. He's hitting for power. He's putting together great at-bats. I wish the Mets would stop platooning him and put him in against left-handed pitching because I believe this guy is the third baseman of the future and is an everyday player, an important part for that lineup. So my answer here is going to be, to be Brett Beatty for what he has meant to this lineup, a lineup that desperately needed a little more depth and one more big bat, and it's been Brett for them. All right, moving on to our third 
fan question from Yotaro. The flipping bats pod luck is crazy and making me believe in baseball superstitions. What's the craziest baseball superstition that you have had <laughs> or have heard of? <laughs> I am very superstitious. So I would often do things that, um, you know, for example, baseball is a very mental game. And if you do something poorly you switch up what you were doing and if you do something well you keep doing it and i had um when i would have good games in the minors i would do the same thing the next day i would eat the same thing i would go about my business the same way i had um in high a there was a month i forget what month it was towards the i think it was august as player of the month in the florida state league over the course of the entire month and i ate the same thing every single day what was it a lot of pub subs <laughs> Publix subs. Oh, you're from LA. <laughs> I, 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 you don't I, know about Publix. No, I think is it like P U B like X? P U B L I X. L I X. I yeah, I've heard. Of, I no. Oh I my god. Know. Yeah. We need to go to Publix. Is We're, it like a Jersey Mike's? No. Oh. It's like a grocery store. Oh. But they have the best. De oh my god! I can't okay. believe you never had a Publix. That's All right. what I was eating every single day. I'd wake up. I'd go to Publix. I'd grab a pub sub and I'd head to the stadium and I'd eat it there. And then I'd go out to the field for batting practice and outfield work and all of that stuff. And then come back in, get ready for the game and eat a peanut butter and jelly every single day. Great pregame fuel. Yeah. Same thing every single day. So I was very superstitious in like if something was going well, I do the exact same thing. And if it's not going well, I change it up. But I do have a story of a great superstition that I experienced firsthand that might or might not be super appropriate, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Okay. Um, there was a player on my team that was really, really struggling at the plate and was trying to do anything he possibly could to switch it up and would try a different bat, would try different batting gloves, would try no batting gloves, would do all of these things, and it wasn't working. And one day, we're getting ready for a game, and you know, every, everybody's right there with each other in a locker room and we come in we go about our business batting practice all that stuff but pre-game we're getting ready for the game and all of a sudden my buddy who's a couple lockers away i look over and he's putting on a pink thong oh and that was i was like what hey what are you, what are you doing <laughs> it's like hey i've heard it before i gotta i gotta try this i gotta i gotta change it up to his credit he got a hit that night wore the thong for a good bit <laughs> <laughs> baseball uh, and superstition go together like oh yeah the peanut butter and jellies i was eating every single day when it goes well and i have seen a lot more than that that is definitely definitely oh yeah not able to be talked about on this show but that is just one of many examples so uh that is my answer to that question i learned about superstitions very early on because of my dad and if we had season tickets to the dodgers so we we're usually at dodger stadium but if they were on the road and we were watching at home yep. um if the Dodgers scored a run while we were in the room with him, we weren't allowed to move from that one specific oh, yeah. area that we were in. If we were standing, you got to stand there the whole rest of the game. If you were sitting on a certain part of the couch, don't you dare move off that part yep. of the couch. So my sisters and I like slowly learned, like maybe we just watch yeah. Dodgers in a different room. Yep. Let, let dad be on his own. And that is the story of superstitions in baseball. <laughs> you can't not prove they don't work, so just stick with what works. That is absolutely how it works. But that is all for today, my friends. Thank you all for listening. 
Justin is back on the mound. Woo! We will talk all about it in tomorrow's Friday episode. But until then, thank you all for listening. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple or Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And you can watch everything we do on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. That does it for this Thursday episode. Until next time, peace out, my friends.